Hello and welcome to the NDA podcast. It's always Media Thursday with me, Justin Pierce, the editor, and me, Andy Oakes, the publisher. So we're sitting here, we're recording on a Thursday, which is quite rare for us. We are recording It's Always Media Thursday on a Thursday, traditionally in Soho Rain, in our lovely studio. Yeah, it's a lovely studio. I can't see you. Though. I know, you're hidden behind recording There's a lot of recording apparatus. paraphernalia, isn't there? So what's, I mean, although we always say we're going to make sure this is a weekly podcast, it never is, obviously. So it's been a couple of weeks since our last one. Uh, as is traditional, I ask you, Andy, what's been happening? God, we've, we've had to do quite a bit of work, which I know is our, you know, that's what we like, but <laughs> we it's do. been quite a lot of work. Um, we went to Manchester, yeah. which was brilliant. It was. It rained. It was. Um, it, it rained today. There's lots of rain. It's always rain. But you've been doing about a million round tables. Q4 has gone ballistic. Yeah, it has. I mean, yeah, we, we do so many roundtables and there's something that it's so great to do because if you get the right people round the table discussing industry topics, they're just absolutely fantastic. We did one last week as our CTV roundtable uh, about to be published, hopefully today or tomorrow on NDA. Uh, we had ITV and Channel 4 and PhD and it was sort of fascinating because uh, the talk was a lot about how the gaps being bridged between traditional TV mm -hmm. and sort of advanced TV, CTV, the new sort of TV. And obviously that's happened and is happening fast. And within Channel 4 and ITV, obviously they're, they're way ahead of the game there. But then talking to Amy at PhD, there were still gaps in agencies. You know, uh, they'd solved that at PhD by bringing someone to sort of bridge the gap between the two. But there are across the industry, the TV is still operating in silos, which is not something you often get when you see all the, the headlines around, around CTV. So I think one of the most interesting things next year, although the growth is just stellar in terms of CTV advertising, but how the industry deals with these silos will be quite fascinating to watch. It's funny, isn't it? We've been doing these these sort of things forever. Uh, and it, a lot of it always comes down to what's, what's stymieing the growth of X? And it's always been, well, it's the agency world operating in silos. Oh, or agency world. Or, or, I mean, all at the same time, or, or client side. But yes, yeah, silos, silos are always an issue and always will be. But I guess it's when, as you say, we've talked about it forever, but especially when new things come. And CTV, although it's not new, it kind of is still still, still rising. Well, it's 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 a bit like the year of mobile, isn't it? It, that, uh, it happened, it happened, it ha it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Oh, hang on. There it is. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, did we miss it? No, I think it finally is kicking off. Um with with and there's some real emphasis behind it. I mean, today, with the day we're recording, it, I think today's the first day that Netflix has ads on it. Yeah, and I saw today. I don't know where I read it in one of our great trade publications. Uh, they've announced they've stolen. Of course, they have. Why would you get three sort of people for their ads, ads team lined up? I should be able to say they were, but I've totally forgotten. But yeah, really, so sort of, just for the sake of any lawyers listening, um, encourage people to join rather than stolen. Yeah, yeah, that they have. <laughs> Yeah, kindly often come and say, but with that, they're sort of big hitters in the industry. So, so that's going to be a it's going to be a huge, huge story. Although at the same time, you talk to someone like Reese at ITV who, yeah. at this roundtable the other week, and he was talking about the fact that you know he quite felt quite personally upset <laughs> around all the the fuss around Netflix moving into the space. ITV's been there for ages. ITV are doing this a while already. So whether whether Netflix's move will have as big an impact as sort of is evidence for the headlines i don't know because essentially it's not anything wildly different people aren't over the moon about the the segments and targeting or not on offer so let's see how much impact it really does well I, i'm 
playing my role as a grumpy old man today. You are uh, grumpy. Are you always a grumpy old man? Yeah, well, today When especially. aren't you grumpy old man? That's a poll. Twitter poll. That's a Twitter poll. <laughs> we'll, put that on, we'll put that on a Twitter. It's it's quite classic of the tech world, isn't it? That we, we get uh, obsessed by something shiny, new and American. When in fact, we've been doing it here in this country really well. And ITV have been doing it really well for for a while now. So big up the ITV. Exactly, exactly. So what else has been going on? Uh, we've got... Ah, oh, I know what's going on. Because it's, 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 it's always Media Thursday. Today's Media Thursday. And... We are having our drinks party in Soho on Thursday at Soho's Premier Media Pub. Wow. <laughs> we are. Um, I'll be there also being grumpy. Um, and and it, it's, it's been on, it's been off because of train strikes. Um, now it's definitely on. I mean, it's raining, so people will suddenly say, oh, I can't come out in the rain. They'll be there. They'll be there. So I'm looking forward to it tonight. And then in two weeks, we've got... Uh, our winter trinity lunch that can't be two weeks yeah it is really yeah but it's on a friday as well so it's good to have it yes and trinity lunch for i guess everyone listening knows what it is but it's uh industry lunch that we do now okay you're holding up fingers to me which won't work <laughs> on a podcast four fingers in terms of regularity we do trinity <laughs> lunch twice a year in london we do trinity lunch and North in Manchester, and they are they're amazing events. At heart, they're just a simple lunch where we get together. But we make sure we have the right people two hundred or two hundred and twenty of the best of the industry in the room just for a celebration. Really, there's nothing more to it. There's no gender. There's no. There's nothing particularly salesy about it. Just getting the right people in a room to celebrate the industry. And the Trinity, because I do get asked this quite a bit, they are publishers, tech vendors, and media agencies. The the Trinity of uh, digital media. So, what else is coming up on the horizon? Well, I'll tell you what we should talk about as well. Is, uh, Twitter's been interesting, Christmas? isn't it, recently? Christmas? Christmas. Yeah, but we okay, get to well, Christmas. I was informed today that yeah. pigs and blanket sandwiches are back in M&S. Nothing says Christmas more than pigs and blanket sandwiches back in Marks and Spencers. That was news just then today. <laughs> I was going to talk about industry news. I went to talk about Twitter. Um, so, here's the thing. You're going to have to pay $8 a month to be verified, to keep, ver- to keep your verification tick. I'm not going to pay you're not going to pay? You're going to be unverified? Mm, I don't think they want to unverify me. Well, I think that's the rule. I is think it? that's what he's going to do. <laughs> I mean, I, if you, well, the minute you do it... That's $16. That's quite... That's going to rack up the bills. I, You know, I know Police Stripe is a lean and mean organisation, but I think we can afford the $16. <laughs> Fair enough. But, you know, otherwise, if you don't do it, think of the, the plethora of fake at Justin Pierce accounts which could be set up. Yeah, worrying. Like the plethora of fake Paul Governance accounts. Which, which was a great was a thing about three years ago. I, mean, I did see something today, actually, on, I think it was Morning Brew in the States, but story about the fact that L'Oreal is, this is not confirmed, but mm-hmm. it was a great story, you know, sources they had, so trustworthy, I guess, that L'Oreal's coming off Twitter. So there's a, uh, we might see sort of advertisers now coming off. These sort of things do happen when the big platforms have changes. Absolutely, uh, General Motors has also come off. Oh, really? Yeah. I really didn't see that. Um, I mean, you might argue that's because they don't want to directly fund Tesla, uh, but it, it, it's it's interesting. How I don't I don't quite see how he's going to keep the advertisers happy, claiming it's a brand safe environment, but you can sort of say what you like. Exactly. So yeah, these things have big impacts we've seen again we've seen over the years i know it's a different scenario but brands coming on and off youtube for brand safety concerns and then to be honest going on back on pretty quickly yeah. so these things don't tend to have lasting 
impact, but definitely a blip. If anyone from Twitter does want to come on and discuss this on the podcast with us, Elon, if you're listening, mate, yes, and, and I know you're a big fan, pop on down. We're in Soho. We hope to see you soon. <laughs> so we've got our special guest joining us in a second. Uh, I haven't seen her in the flesh for a while, actually, so we're going to see her, Kate Murden from Push. And Push is an organisation that's doing incredible work across the industry. So let's find out what she's been up to. So, Kate, great to see you. Uh, let's, before we kick off in our rambling chat, uh, let's just hear a bit about Push. For people who don't know what Push is, what is it? Oh, what is Push? So, Push is a training and coaching business that specialises in mental health, well-being, development and leadership. So, we say that we help people think, feel, do and manage better. All of the stuff um, that really will, I, I think, is needed more than ever at the moment, given everything that we've been through, and is all about really improving our kind of human behaviours every single day. So that's it, really. I would just wait a bit about because remember we, we first were talking about push when you first found it. It seems like. 20, 20 years, years ago, ago now, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the backstory of why you formed, I think, is pretty interesting. So it gives a quick flavor. Yeah, that. of course. So um, I worked at uh, a number of different media agencies, most sadly as head of partnerships um, at a big media agency. And, and I loved working in media until I didn't. And I think that was probably a combination of different things. I think I changed a bit. I think media changed a bit. I think whereas previously my values had really aligned with everything that media kind of stood for over a period of time. And that really changed and, and I'd certainly changed as a person it didn't feel like it fit quite so much so what sort of values were you aligned with and what, you know, what um, I think for me personally I think probably so my core values are love humour and ambition and I think that the humour and ambition piece um, was certainly very strong when I was working in media I think probably the love piece started coming up a little bit more and I wanted to do something that was probably a little bit more altruistic and a little bit more caring um, hence, obviously, hopefully where I am now with the okay. business. Um, but yeah, it, it's I, I certainly started changing a bit. And I think, look, let's, I'm being really honest, you know, the, the, the in media industry that I'd started in to, compared to the one that I left was really different as well, you know. And I think I, I probably felt that we'd both changed a bit. And then on top of that, I certainly wasn't looking after myself particularly well. Um, I probably, and therefore, shall we say, my resilience probably wasn't quite as great as it had been. And then, um, very sadly, my mum got cancer. So that was the real knocking place for me um, and all of those things combined and I was signed off with stress and it was at that point I was like I could see this happening to more and more people and that was, mm, God, that yeah. was like eight years ago right um, and I was like I really I want to understand this I really want to understand what's going on here and I think there's a better way of doing things and that's what I really wanted to go into I think we should just point out that we're not alone in the <laughs> studio are we <laughs> That makes Bears it sound here. a bit like, I see dead people. Well, other, th other than the dead people. <laughs> it's the bear. It's my dog. Kate's brought her dog in. He's a fantastic little chap. Chap ass. Chap -ass. Called bear. Called bear, yeah. So if you hear any snuffling um, and <laughs> it's scratching, it's, it's not just Justin. <laughs> and bear's, bear's now by the mic. So yeah. Bear, would you like to say anything? She's not Suspiciously no. quiet. She's not Suspicious. She's oh. been very noisy all morning, actually. She gets a lot of attention. And these round tables, it's ridiculous. So uh, The other yeah. thing that uh, this being a podcast and you people can't see is that there's a lot of orange <laughs> in the studio. 
And it looks a little bit like an EasyJet convention in here. <laughs> well, it's always Orange Media Thursday. Orange Media Thursday. Oh, yes. I remember orange. that. Kate's got a lovely orange jacket. I've got a beautiful orange shirt. Oh, no. And just outside the year, Andy has a delightful orange jacket. So this is, it's always... You've Media ruined Thursday. it. I have ruined it. You and I'm... You've literally ruined Christmas. <laughs> okay. No one ruins Christmas. <laughs> I get accused of that way more than you'd know. <laughs> I don't. I just don't doubt that. <laughs> well, so the media industry, yes. as it stands now, yes. eight years on, what do you think are the differences? And also, what have you seen is doing all your sort of work at Push with? So obviously, you, you work with brands and all sorts of different companies, but mm. with lots of agencies. So what have you seen? What's changed for the good or, or better? Hmm. Or okay, what's changed? Um... I mean, there's lots of very public declarations from media agencies yes. about the good work they're doing and the initiatives going on. Yeah. Okay. So I would say that the 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 big things that I mean, obviously, during the pandemic, the area of mental health, the or uh, me- mental health certainly increased in terms of notoriety and people talking about it, and it being much higher up the business agenda. Rightly so. I would say that in a lot of instances, I think that the likelihood of programmes of this nature going through still, I'm afraid, is down to the enlightenedness of whomever the leadership team is within that agency or that company. Um, I also think that in many instances, there is still an element of this stuff happening when it's at crisis point. Again, that's not overall, but th- there are certainly cases of that. I think certain companies are absolutely um, up for doing it and embracing it. Um, But I think we're probably still quite far away from it being the norm, shall we say that, and and people really understanding its importance. And I think, you know, in all of those instances, it comes down to if someone has had a specific experience of it, either themselves or someone that they're close to, it's much more likely it's going to happen. Uh, rather, rather than it being, you know, I think that it's still fair to say that not everyone talks about this stuff, you know, that it's, and, and we have a really, really, really big belief that actually the most important thing that you can do is just create safe spaces where people can talk and talk about what's going on. And I think that it's fair to say that's not always happening in our organisations. Where do you stand on the topic of mental health first aiders? Hmm. I think <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's something that we do. It's something that we do in-house. Um, and I think it's, listen, I think if you, as an opportunity for people to come together to talk about, to really get their heads around mental health, I think that's a really good thing. However, I think that it's all. it can also be quite reductive because it's like, well, we've done two days worth of training. What happens next? Yeah. So I think you have to then get those people together to say, okay, well, you've had this training. What are you going to do next to genuinely impact how mentally healthy this organisation is? So the, the the information doesn't just stop with the people that's gone that have gone through it. The other part of it as well is I think that we need to be incredibly conscious that all of a sudden these people aren't therapists, right? And, and, and I mean that from the sense that you can't then put all the weight on them. And moreover, you can't then expect your people to just 
just go and want to talk to these people as well. I think that, you know, we've done a lot of research and, and I'd love to talk more about this, but, you know, we've done a lot of research in this area. And the fact of the matter is, is that everything that we went through with the pandemic, we have had a deeply human experience that has been deeply traumatic to a lot of people. And consequently, people are experiencing much more complex problems and are taking much more complex problems into the into their organisations. So to expect them to go and speak to someone about it so openly and candidly, or moreover for someone to be able to hold that is a lot, yeah. right? And if you are taking something like that into someone, there is no talking therapist in the world who doesn't have a supervisor. To suddenly give someone two days training and expect them to be able to hold a lot of stuff is quite unfair. So I think you need to think about, if you are going to do an MHFA programme, what happens next? That's the big thing. And I think in a lot of instances, that doesn't happen. I, I, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm slightly sceptical of the whole the whole idea. Uh, Listen, I think it's better than nothing, right? right. And, I, and I think it gets people on the on the right path, but I don't think it should be seen as a save all, right? Yep. It's one thing in a in a big path, and you know, with all of this stuff, I think that one has to come back to the end goal of why we are doing it. You know, I. The point is, if if you are trying to create people that if oh no let me take a step back if you are trying to create an organization that performs better then it needs people who are mentally emotionally physically and spiritually well to be able to do that and given everything that we have been through and, and I've just touched on this you know we have been through trauma on a global scale and if you think that we've just gone through it and oh well the pandemic's over now absolutely not you know when trauma isn't the thing isn't the event that happens it's the thing that is left in your body and your brain as a result of what's happened you know on a very simplistic level you know if I cut my arm I would be left with scar tissue right and that scar tissue is really inflexible it's numb it's hard or it might be really sensitive and that then affects how I use that part of my body now if you transfer that to something that happens to you and has an effect mentally that's going to affect my entire perspective or indeed my resilience to the world after that so we have to be cognizant of the fact that people have been through something and therefore are going to need to be dealt and managed and supported in different ways and if you want your business to move at pace and indeed need your business to move at pace post something like that then you're going to require different skills support to look after your people afterwards what, can I ask what do you think about because everything you're saying uh, about the trauma of the pandemic etc yes. it's, it's so kind of obvious and, and, and true but when you talk about uh, flexible working because obviously yes. that was brought in by the pandemic to a large extent I think it's done amazing like, good yes. to make flexible working just, just work uh, but how, how in the work you're doing now and the research you're doing and the people you're training all the things you're seeing how are you seeing flexible working in terms of coming to fruition because mm. there are dissenting voices there are mm. I mean in the early days of the pandemic the big tech firms said you can work from home forever yeah, and now yeah, they're yeah. saying actually come back to work now and with here we're hearing we know some agencies are saying putting pressure on get people back to work full time personally I'm conflicted because I like the office I want yeah. to come to work yeah. you know I think office is good however it's good for me to be home with family two days a week yeah. so what are you seeing in terms of how this is playing out so I think that if we go back to that point that we went through something highly traumatic so people People are, as a consequence of that, are, are feeling quite burnt out. Why are they feeling burnt out? Well, because 
post going well whilst going through that trans trauma they then they also went through what could only really be described in my opinion as the greatest transformation program of all time right if we had tried to all work from home in any one of our individual businesses it would have taken days weeks months <laughs> if not fucking years sorry to to work out how the hell we were going to do that if indeed it would have worked but we did it we did it and then on top of that we worked out processes policies frameworks tech in order to be able to do it but where we're left is an output from it, which in my opinion is that it's having a huge impact on humans because we never evolved our behaviours or our ways of working to be able to do it. And what I mean by that is from the research that we're seeing is that people are either feeling more isolated or people don't know quite how to make this work because we never had the right relationships and communication styles in place to be able to work well. We got away with it because we were in front of each other every single day so we could pick up on visual cues and we were connected. We, we're animals, right? You know, we need to come together. But the point is, is that if we don't have that, then we must learn new behaviours which are going to make this work well. We can't expect to just use the old ways in a new way of working. And I think for me, you know, so from what we're seeing, flexible working should be here to stay. Yeah. Because, by the way... When you say should, do you mean that it, it morally must be or you think it tends should be, but maybe isn't fully? A bit... Uh, I think it, I think um, what am I trying to say I'm saying it should be here to stay because it is the right way of working right it is absolutely the right way of working let, let me tell you from from doing this work pre-pandemic everyone in the office all the time didn't bloody work either right you know so it, uh, you know and we had high levels of stress because people were just doing too much you know and we have not you know, and the point is is that if we move to a model of working 100% from home we have proven that to a greater or lesser degree it does work but moreover, people have adopted those new behaviours. To expect them to just go back to how things were would be foolhardy, you know. And moreover, people would be so resentful of it that they would use so much emotional energy in that resentment that you wouldn't be getting as much blooming work out of them anyway. They may well still keep working for you, but they would be highly resentful of it. I mean, just to pick up on that, you say working from home 100% can work, should work. But in reality, does it? In our industry, in the creative industries, yeah. in reality, does it? If you're you come into this industry as your first job, yeah. and all you experience of industry is sitting home from a computer. That's not yours. It's not mine. It's not Andy's. It's not most people. Yeah. So therefore, is that really going to work? Yeah. And, but then I suppose one has to work out what met. It, we have to be clear on what metrics we put on it, right? And how and how we determine what success is. So for someone who's highly introverted, working in that way is is a success to them, right? But I think what we need to do is we need to come back to the performance metrics that an organization's gonna have. And I and I believe that there has to be a blend between the two, but you have to have that clarity over what actually flexible working means to either the individual, the team, the organisation, at their clients, and by the way, society at large, right? It has to fit in with all of that. And I believe that that does need new skills and new um, new behaviours to either work out, make, to either make working work better or and, and make the organisation work better, but make sure that people feel good within that. And I think that, you know, for me, there will there then has to be a new decision made about why are we coming into the office? You know, that we've literally just had this breakfast now with with a group of clients who are just like, you know, if I'm going into the office but it's for a Teams call, it seems absolutely pointless you know so actually what this really needs is proper time and dedication 
to work out, right, how are we going to do this? What are we going to trial? How are we going to experiment? How are we going to be cognizant of everyone else's different demands? How are we going to be cognizant of what the business demands? And that includes the fact that people are going to need to be upskilled. And a lot of that comes from the power of osmosis. So actually, if we decide on two days a week in the office, three days a week in the office, whenever, whatever your version of that is, it's getting that real clarity of what happens when we're in the office. How do we use that properly so that when we do come together it's not just sat there on team calls that I'm on and you're on but you're not over there you know and yeah. then three people in the office aren't and uh, and it needs real consideration that's what I'm saying I think it's about managing the business decisions you made in the pandemic as well because a lot of people hired full remote teams yeah and have now decided to come back and, yeah. uh, and have remote stuff and we've seen in our own organization the trouble that not the trouble, but the issues that the someone challenge. who's... Challenge is probably the word I was looking and, for. But, Andy, do you know, and this is the big thing that we talked about today, right? And I'm a really big believer in this. Listen, I personally genuinely believe that you need time together. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I can't determine what that version, what your version or anyone's version is of that. Because as humans, we have to come together at some point to actually be physical with each other and connect with each other. I personally think that is absolutely paramount. But what I think is really missing is that as individuals, and I know I've had to get a lot better at it, it is about confronting stuff. It is about talking about stuff. It's about setting boundaries and having clarity. It's about the fact that actually you come together and say, do you know what, we have got to work this out, so let's sit down and do that. And that's a really different set of skills. And then feeling confident enough to be able to go and tell your tell your team that this is happening and be able to deal with whatever that fallout is. Because a lot of the time, it's, what's at the heart of this is maybe a confidence in communication as much as anything else. Do I feel confident in being able to tell my team that this is changing? Do I feel confident that they're going to feel confident to hold whatever news it is that I'm giving to them? The fact that change is happening. You know, not writing narrative in my head that, oh my God, they're all suddenly going to up and leave. You know, it's a very different set of skills. It's not just about making the decision. It's about actually everything that goes around that. It's about clarity of communication, I guess. Is of course that, it is. But as, that's as the you just said, this why oh, they're all going to leave. That is a worry. I think everyone actually thinks like, oh, my, the wrong thing, my staff are going to leave. Especially in our industry when there is a, a talent crisis, as there always is. Right. But, you know, exactly, as there always is, right? But I think a lot of the time we build these narratives up before they've actually even happened. And, you know, if your people are going to leave because you're, because you're coming in one day more, then you've got a much bigger issue than whether <laughs> yeah. or not they're coming very into the office. Yeah, very, right? very good point. Yeah, very good Right? You know, that's that for very me. That That's the broader issue that we've got to deal with. You know, and I also believe one of the things of the media industry, particularly, you know, the disengagement that I think I believe that we're seeing is because people aren't together quite so much. You know, we, for all of its faults, you know, and, and media, you know, it was a mix of hard work and a lot of fun and play. And for me, a lot of that fun and play was just being in the office with a lot of like-minded people. And I hate the word banter, but it was fun, right? Yeah, and we had agree. a right yes. laugh, you know, and actually we're probably missing a little bit of that, you know, and actually what people were left with, I mean, dear God, I mean, the idea of programmatic literally makes my bum squeak <laughs> with pain. But, you know, like if you're doing programmatic and you're sat on your own doing programmatic every day, maybe that's that person's idea of joy. For me, uh-uh. I think you know? that will be the pull-out quote when we publish this. <laughs> <laughs> programmatic makes my bum squeak with pain. But if you're just sat doing that every single day, it doesn't matter if you're doing that for Mindshare, OMD, PhD, whomever, right? It's it's how do we bring... Our organisations are, are a blend of our people and, you know, we pick the right people for our organisation. So we must, you know, how do we bring that to life? There's one last point on this before we move on to something else 
move on to the new the, what's on the desk strand which you're going to find out what exactly that is <laughs> but the physical spaces of an office itself and again we've seen lots of agencies lots of tech firms come out with their new post-pandemic physical space the new office mm. fit for this new environment <laughs> what do you think about that is the physical space do you think it needs reinventing are people doing it right it, along the lines of helping people deal with all these things you're talking about trauma and mental health and Yeah, I mean, I suppose for me, the most important thing is having a safe space, right? And I and you know, and how and how do we create environments which feel really safe? And if that is going to be a physical space, then what does that look like? And what do I mean by that is, you know, how do we create places where people can talk really openly, you know, so that actually maybe this is a real opportunity now for people for, for people to create environments that that if we change the metrics or change the visit vision of what we want from our spaces and if the goal is to create somewhere that people feel sp- safe where people can be at their most productive and will and will encourage that kind of performance then maybe that should be how one designs the space in the first place so places where people can have meetings where people can get together when people can go off and talk and do a one to one you know or where people you know can just really come and think of the most creative creative ideas that they they can possibly rather than doing that on the other end of a zoom call so maybe it's about being really clear on what your goals for the office space are before you go into it it's incredible we've been in a lot of agencies in the last uh, few mm. weeks and they've got these huge 90 percent empty buildings at right the moment right and it's a real shame yeah. you know Certainly some of our clients that we work with, you know, uh, what are we going to do with all of this space? And they're in 10-year contracts. Yeah, they can't. I mean, they're in trouble. Really are. You know, so how do we how do we turn these into spaces that people want to come to, I suppose, has to be the goal, right? That's definitely, yeah, that's the key, is it making people want to come to the office. And and that is, for me, that's always about the biggest pull there is going to be seeing other people. I know certainly one of our clients is, you know, it's a Thursday and we encourage them in with, with alcohol. I mean, that's classic media. Yeah, I know. I haven't drunk now for almost five months. Wow. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, I know. It I've feels... got almost seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, it's definitely been my best life decision. I must say. Congratulations. Thank you. So look, let's move on to, to the next, uh, exciting strand in our podcast series. Go on then. And it's called What's on the Desk? On the Desk. What's on the Desk? You'll notice on the desk in front of you, much graffiti. Now, for instance, I have what appears to be David Hasselhoff's autograph. Wow, and I've got uh, Happy what, Tits McGee. Uh, uh, tits, uh, tits McGee, I'm afraid, was already picked by a previous guest. Oh. The wonderful Feast Salmon at Captify. So it's your mission to find your favourite What's on the Desk comment and explain why you love it so much. Oh, my goodness. Um... Goodness. Oh, I quite like Watch a Treacle. I always quite like being called Treacle. That always, <laughs> that always uh, I always quite like that one. That one's so much fun. Thanks. Well, that is the end of today's <laughs> What's on the Desk. Thank you so much, Kate. That was, that was a great it's, it's, it's a feature. It's, one most it's a work in progress, this feature. Yeah, keep working on that, guys. Yeah, it's not... <laughs> I think the Tits McGee gave us, you know, that was... Uh, it started well with that. Exactly. But thank you so much, Kate, for What's on the Desk contributions. You're so listen, welcome. Let's, let's end up and talk a bit about sort of what you see, what, what's coming up for you in the year ahead and, importantly, what you're seeing, what's exciting you industry-wide Ooh. in the coming months. We're, we're going to Q4, which is a kind of weird Q4 this year as we all know uh, Christmas is coming yes the most important time of the year <laughs> why are you laughing 
No, it is. I agree with you. Thank you. So, so <laughs> industry-wide, what do you see? What's exciting coming up? Okay, so um, we've just done this really big piece of research called Make Work Better. I don't know how we thought about Excellent. that. Um, and basically what we were really interested in is kind of not only what's happened, but also how people are feeling as we face forward. Um, and we interviewed 1,500 people. <laughs> Obviously not just us with a, with a, with a partner. Just went um, out with a notepad. Got <laughs> yeah. Guys, would you mind chatting to me? Have you seen this thing on a desk? Uh, <laughs> this really great little section. Anyway, um, and so, but I thought the really, in, and the reason I wanted to do that is because I thought we had a really good idea from the conversations we had with our clients, but I really wanted to go into it. And um, we, and I thought the other really interesting angle is we spoke to C-suite middle managers and junior employees so we had a really nice contrast in terms of all those insights now the uh, some really big insights that came from it so four big insights that came from it one was around we're calling it the mental wealth movement so really about how uh, some really interesting a really interesting thing here where um, people have reprioritized work from being their first priority to their fifth priority really and What's swapped places with it is self-care. So self-care has gone from being 24% up to 56%. I'm calling it we're moving from a culture of we to a culture of me because people have found that actually work has has contributed to poorer mental health. So they're looking to look after themselves before they then come back into thinking about how, they, how they're working. So that was super interesting. Um, the impact of hybrid and actually the fact that we do need these different behaviours. The really chunky one for me was all around middle managers and I think that that is absolutely where our focus is going to be moving into 2023 because um, what we noticed was that you know relationships trust engagement has totally broken down there's real disconnection and what's at the heart of that if you think about it your middle managers were absolutely at the coal front uh, the coal face coal face um in in, for, for Really, in terms of that whole kind of lockdown period, they were the main people that your 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 mass of more junior employees saw. Not only that, they had to deal with more complex people problems than ever before. You know, we have been through this huge human experience and people need more from other people now, but they don't necessarily have those people leader skills to be able to deal with exactly. it. Um, so we're seeing that obviously uh, middle managers moving from product leaders, to product managers to people leaders needing that upskilling. And certainly, I think when it comes to retention, and, and this is backed up by C-suite as well, they believe that their middle managers really do hold the key to the retention, but they don't think they have the training and middle managers agree with them as well. So lots, lots, a real lack of lack of trust between the junior employees and the middle managers. But I also think that what that means is maybe there's something in people not quite knowing how to manage people well or communicate well when they're not in front of each other. We've never really had that training before and I think that's really that's really coming up more than it ever has. Yeah, what struck home is everything you've said throughout this thing is these, these new behaviours that has not been formed yet. And that's no, the thing not. I think no one knows quite no one knows quite how anything is playing out. And that's Absolutely. I think something you forget sometimes, but you're totally right. These behaviours are Behaviors are new and they're not being formed, and that I think I think especially in our industry, often consumer behaviour is, is given such lip service to. But this is the first time it it has totally changed. Yeah. Not because of mobile phone, not because of the internet, but something so so immense that we've been has through changed. this massive human experience, you know. And and of course, 
you know, we're finding our way now. You know, we're talking about stuff more. And particularly, you know, when we think about younger generations, they want to talk about stuff more. But it's landing possibly on deaf ears with the older generations who just don't know quite what to do with it or feel comfortable with it, you know. And so I think that there's certainly something in. We have to now think about, actually, what do we want to be known for? How do we want to behave? You know, what is it that we need to work really well in this new world of work? And that's where things like simply being able to have more challenging conversations, being able to hold them as well, being able to ask people how they're genuinely doing, building relationships if we're not always together. These are the things for me that we really need to focus on. Amazing. Well, Kate, thank you so much. You're welcome. I think it's about time to wrap up. That was a superb conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking time with us. Thank you. And we're going to now say goodbye. We're going to go to the pub in a second. I know, I know you can't join us, but that's because it is Media Thursday and it oh is raining. Oh, my goodness. Stop. I know, I know. So, but I think that's that's it. So it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from uh, me. Oh, and me. Okay. And the dog. And the dog. <laughs> and bear the dog. She's just asleep now. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. This podcast is a New Digital Age production. New Digital Age is part of the Blue Stripe Group, the communications group for the digital industry. Please go to www.bluestripegroup.co.uk for more information.